0: Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the broken. He says,
1: Too many couples are stuck together with cheap glue rather than divine cement. And that's oftentimes how we approach marriage. And that's, I think sometimes that's why divorce is a rampant problem, it's because of initially the lack of commitment at the very beginning. We want God's divine cement in this thing, not some cheap glue. What's the cheap glue? Oftentimes the cheap glue is
0: feelings, feelings. Don't be fooled. Love is a choice. In today's message from Pastor James, he explains to you that too often in our culture, marriages are held together by cheap glue. It's viewed more and more as a transactional relationship. And once the other person doesn't feel the feelings they need anymore, then they're out. Well, Pastor James encourages us to seek the Lord first before throwing our marriages away. God wants to help you have a thriving marriage that's cemented in Him. Seek Him through prayer and godly counsel. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Mark, chapter 10, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: I'm not looking for my way out. In fact, Nellie and I were counseled early on in our marriage that divorce is not even a part of your vocabulary. We don't, I don't focus, I don't ever focus on divorce. Never. Why? Because I'm working to have an awesome marriage. That's what I'm working for. Well, issues come. Issues have, I mean, we've been married for 21 years. We've had our fair share of difficulties. There have been rough waters that we have, navigated through and the Lord Jesus was faithful to us and has gotten us through those things. Every marriage experiences these things. But it's a lot easier to get through some of those storms when divorce is not on the table. Now again, I'm not speaking to those instances where divorce maybe is necessary. I'm talking about to just marriages where Man, sometimes your passion and desire for one another is strong, and then it wanes over time. And then you start thinking, like, well, am I even really in love with this person anymore and all that stuff? Well, you get to work. Get to work. Rediscover that thing. If the fire's gone out, we'll put some more wood on it and stoke that fire. Like, work on it. What do you expect? Have you ever been camping? You build a campfire? It starts off pretty awesome, right? I mean, the, the flames are reaching to the sky. What happens if you don't tend to the fire? It goes out. It goes out. Same concept applies in marriage. But yet, we have this thing in our brains where it's like, we get married, the, the emotions and the passion, it's strong, it's heavy. I mean, it's just like natural. It's just a natural outflowing. And we finish each, each other's sandwiches or sentences or whatever, right? It's like, okay. Okay. But anybody who's been married for a certain length of time is like, "We just wait. They call it a honeymoon season for a reason, right? The sad thing is, is that that wanes off and we never address it. And we just assume that this is what marriage life is. This is reality. But it doesn't have to be that way. And then for some people, I mean, it just continues to simmer out and simmer out. And then we let our guards down. And maybe those, want, those boundaries that we maybe once had in place within our lives, we begin to lower those fences, so to speak. And then somebody comes into our lives, and they conversate with us. And then these emotions, these feeling things start to happen again. It's like, oh, I remember what that was like that many years ago with my spouse. And then it's like, well, maybe, maybe this is done, and maybe this is the new thing. And then people will pursue that new thing because it's rekindled It's a different kind of fire. I would tell you this, that's a fire that will kill you. And that's a fire that will not only kill you, but it will kill everybody who's attached to you. Don't go looking for some strange fire. Just because somebody gives you the feels doesn't mean that they're the one for you, okay? You figure out how you get back together and you reconnect with that spouse and say, hey, how do we get this thing burning again? What do we need to do? Maybe we need to clean out some ashes. Maybe we just need to have a heart-to-heart. And there needs to be some repentance and some forgiveness that needs to take place. And I can tell you this, the Lord is all about those moments. He's all about rejuvenating, reigniting. That's his plan from the beginning. God never intended Adam and Eve like, yeah, I'm going to give you a first, you know, first two years, you know, you're going to be kind of... You know, I mean, it's just going to, everything's going to be amazing, right? And then, you know, after that, you're just, you, you just kind of, you just make it. You know, you kind of be really more so just roommates than soulmates. That was never God's design. That was never His intention. Not at all. He speaks to it quite a bit, this subject of marriage, all throughout the Scriptures, Old Testament and New Testament, and he says, he's like, if you want to know what it's like to have a healthy marriage, here's some things that you, you should be applying to your marriage. Husbands, you better know how to die daily. Not literally. Not literally. <laughs> daily. How, do you, how to die to yourself daily. Laying down, maybe some, at times, your wants and desires and dreams, and not throwing those in the garbage, but setting them to the side, because maybe this isn't the time for those and you address that attention into your spouse. Maybe the same thing for some of you ladies. You lay aside some of those things that, yeah, you really want to do these things, but maybe right now you need to focus in on just ministering to your husband. We don't throw these dreams away and all that stuff, but maybe this isn't the moment or the time. We've seen marriages collapse because the principle of two becoming one was not ever fully recognized between the individuals. It's as if they're standing there in front of Pastor James getting married. And instead of having grabbing hold of both hands, they each just have one hand and want this other hand left open to grasp at whatever else they might need to grasp at. The concept of two becoming one is you're both in this thing together. And it's not like adios mom and dad and and all that stuff. They're still part of your life. But from this moment on, it's the two of you together as one. And you lay aside all things, whether it be family or friends, the boys or whatever, the girls and all that, we're done. Doesn't mean I have to stop being friends with them. But from this moment on, it's the two of us. It's the two of us. That's what happened. That was really easy for Adam and Eve because they had nobody else, right? They're like, what what are you going to be grasping for? You got nothing. It's just the two of you. It got a little bit more complicated as the years rolled on. But that's what you and I have to do in these, these, this thing called marriage that God has blessed us with and gifted us with. And, and I hope if you're praying for the right one to come along, that you would know that and that you would even start to pray in these ways now. But you know when you stand before and you, you're devoting yourself to that other person that you're like, take both my hands and let me take both of your hands because I'm all in. I'm all in. And I'm not like leaving this hand free and available just in case this thing doesn't work out and I have something else to grab hold of. Or when this thing gets really difficult, I got mom and I got dad that I can go and run to. No, 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 you work it out. Praise God for good families that are there for you to pray for you, to encourage you. Praise God for moms and dad who say, you know what, you handle your business. You work it out, work it out. We leave and cleave. That was God's design. That's how God instituted it from the very beginning. And Jesus says, what God has joined together, let no one split it apart or tear it apart. I wrote this quote from Tony Evans. He says, too many couples are stuck together with cheap glue rather than divine cement. And that's oftentimes how we approach marriage. And I think sometimes that's why divorce is a rampant problem. It's because of initially the lack of commitment at the very beginning. We want God's divine cement in this thing, not some cheap glue. What's the cheap glue? Oftentimes the cheap glue is feelings, feelings. And just like cheap glue, if you know, if you've ever done a class project, man, over time, it all just disintegrates and those pictures fall away and all that stuff. I want something that's going to bond forever, forever. So again, with this major controversy, um, this is, if you want the parallel to this, it's found in Matthew chapter 19, and there's a few other details that are thrown in there. I don't have time to really visit that today, but I did want to throw that out there to you. If you want to cross-reference this at all, go you can go to Matthew 19. But let's get to the, to the end result here. It says, later... So he, he drops that on these Pharisees again. So just remember, so how he, he addresses this modern day controversy by going to the word of God. Go to the word of God. Somebody shows up in your life and they have a question for you. Could be a legit question, could be a trap. You never know. How do you answer that? You go to the word, take them to the word of God. Take them to the word of God, okay? Hey, what do you, you're a Christian. What do you say about this? Well, let's open up the Bible and let's see what Jesus said about that. Let's just see what he, no, what, no, no, no. What do you say? Well, I agree with what he said. I agree with what he said. And, and I praise God for truth because truth supersedes feelings. Feelings waver, ebb and flow and what's, what's hot today and whatever. and all, Well, like I said, look, I, give me, just give me truth. Just give me truth. And I love being able to, I can consult the word of God. They say, well, this is what the word says. And I, I agree with what the Bible has to say about this. Do I always understand it? No, I don't, but I have faith and I trust and that the Lord knows what he's talking about. And when he, what do you say about divorce? Well, let's talk about it. Let's go back to the word. So that's what he did. That's a good practical application for you and I and how to handle some of these questions. The other thing is this, don't be afraid to answer questions. Now, you know my thing. If you don't know the answer, don't start rambling on okay? Don't, in the midst of many words, you're trying to like really find some sort of good answer. for. It. Don't do that. Be honest, be real, and say like, I have no idea. I have no idea. I don't know how to answer that, but here's what I'll do. Give me a week. Give me some time. Let me look into it, and then we can meet back up, and I'll, I'll do my best to answer your question. That's the right way to handle those scenarios, okay? But don't be afraid to answer questions, and don't be afraid to engage people with topics that are controversial. It's okay. We're human beings. We, can, we should be able to talk to each other. The other side of being human beings is we should be able to disagree with one another and stay friends. I know it doesn't work in the world like that, as much as they want to throw the hypocriticalness at the church. The world, I lived in the world for a large part of my life. There is nothing more hypocritical than the world, okay? Let's be real. Let's be honest, okay? But if they got questions that are controversial and all this stuff, there's a lot of controversies going on in our world today. By the way, if you don't know, if somebody asks you questions like that, don't be afraid to engage them. Figure out what's going on. Well, why do you ask? Why do you ask? That's a great place to start. Try to get at the heart of the matter. Why is this a big deal for you? Why is this an issue for you? And you just meet them where they're at. And then learn how to, like, take them to the Word. Well, I don't don't know, but man, I I know that the Word says this. I know that in in the Bible, in this this chapter, in fact, let me just pull up my Bible or pull up on my phone, and, and I'll share with you, see what Jesus talks about this. And that's where I stand. That's where I stand on it. They could disagree with you, and that's fine. That's fine. That's okay. But you and I need to know how to, like, actively engage people who think differently than we do and treat them with compassion like Jesus would and engage them in conversations. And if you don't know the answer, you don't know the answer. Just own that, that's fine. But don't just leave it at that. Do your homework and then be back with them. Maybe this is the Lord giving you a divine appointment to, he wants you to talk to this person more than just one little run-in and eventually they end up giving their lives to the Lord, then you're there to disciple and to mentor them. So how he handled the controversy is the best way for you and I to handle the controversies. Just go back to the Word of God. I like his disciples in this story, though. It's hard subject matter. You know it's a hard subject matter. And the disciples wait till later to ask Jesus, like, what are you talking about? Um, Can you clarify that? Verse 10 says, later, when he was alone with his disciples in the house, they brought up the subject again. They're like, Jesus, um, yeah, about that divorce thing. He tells them, verse 11, whoever divorces his wife and marries someone else commits adultery against her. You're like, yeah, okay. Is this the clarification you were looking for, disciples? Commits adultery against her. And if a woman, here's where it goes, really like, this would really mess up the disciples. If a woman divorces her husband, what? That, That doesn't happen. Well, Jesus is putting the man and the woman on the same level there. Matthew just says the man, and here in Mark's account, he he mentions uh, the the woman. If she divorces her husband and marries someone else, she commits adultery. So this is where it's like, well, wait a minute. So if I get divorced and I get remarried, then am I committing adultery? Why'd you get divorced? That's the question. Why'd you get divorced? And see, in Deuteronomy chapter 24, it talks about this indecency if there's an indecency found with your spouse well that word indecency the technical term there in deuteronomy 24 is used like some 43 times and all those uh, it's used more than 43 times i'm sorry but out of all the times it's used 43 i believe of those times it's used speaks of nakedness and it's involved with like sexuality type stuff the question is well so if you got divorced why'd you get divorced did you get divorced because you found somebody better? Then yeah, that is adultery. It is. That's what it is. And that may be a tough pill to swallow. But guys, that's the truth. Because if it's an issue of like, I got divorced because this dude was gonna kill me, it's not an issue. Well, I get divorced because we'll see my secretary and we start talking. And the feelings were there. And and you just don't understand what it was like at my home. I mean, it was just like we were just strangers, ships passing in the night, kind of a deal. And I just this was like I just felt like this was the one that God had for me. I'm sorry, but that's adultery. Let's just call it what it is. That is sin. That is sin. You want some good news? Jesus forgives those sins. I hope and I pray that we take marriage seriously. I I hope and we pray that we take marriage so seriously that we are willing to do anything and everything to guard and protect this precious thing that God has given us. The enemy hates marriage. God hates divorce. What God hates, the enemy loves. What God hates, the enemy loves. And he would want nothing more then according to Ephesians chapter five, when you look at that beautiful, beautiful portion of scripture, I I go to that all the time when I do weddings. And it's the role of a husband, the role of a wife, and how this thing should be a beautiful witness of Jesus and his church. You know the enemy is gunning for marriages. We need to be on guard about that. We need to be on guard about that. Here, it's this, this issue here of Jesus talking about this, this adultery. It's another quote that I wrote from Tony Evans. It, Tony Evans was speaking to my heart this week with uh, his, uh, his commentary on this portion of scripture. And I read so much stuff. It says, the one who illegitimately initiates divorce and marries another has entered, in, has entered an adulterous relationship because God has not canceled out the first one. So he, the one who illegitimately initiates divorce, found somebody better, that's not a good reason. That's not a good reason. And you guys know the deal. If the grass is greener on the other side, it's because they fertilize better than you do. It's because they're actually taking care of their stuff, and you're not. Pull the weeds in your own yard. Water fertilize, tend to your own yard. and Then you get in that other yard, and what many people, because the, the sad reality is those who divorce and then enter into remarriages, um, the percentage of them becoming divorced again is, is far greater. It's far greater. Now, I'm going to read to you guys just this thing concerning statistics, um, but you get over there and you realize, well, this yard's just as messed up as my yard right? When we bought our house, the yard, when we moved in, I was like, amazing. So green. It's awesome. It was fantastic. And then we moved in, we started living in it. And what happens? If you don't keep up with it. You don't take care of it. Well, then the clovers start coming in and then the wheat, all the other weeds and all this stuff. And it's like, what happened? Well, we stopped taking care of it. They were doing a really good job of taking care of it. It's our, It was our opportunity to take care of it ourselves. It's the same thing with our marriage. But I do want to leave you guys on an encouraging note, because again, heavy subject matter. I get it. But let me read to this, this to you, because if this would speak to you, if you were like me as a college student, early as a high school student, it started for me, but then as a college student where I was like, I, will, I, I just will never get married. If you're telling me marriages end in divorce, and a lot of them do, and all that good stuff— 50%. That's what we always hear. 50% of marriages end in divorce. 50% of marriages in the church end in divorce. And all this, then I was like, I don't, I don't want to run the risk of hurting somebody, right? Well, the good news is that that statistic is actually a lie. It's not true, okay? So let me just read this to you from uh, Wayne Grudem. Brilliant man. He says this uh, perception that 50% of marriages end in divorce today. He said this is, you know, kind of made popular through different media reports and all that good stuff. He says, in 2014, according to one of the most recent Sensei Bureau surveys, 72% of people who have ever been married are still married to their first spouse. 72%. 72%. And the remaining 28% are not all divorced persons because the total also includes those who have been widowed through the death of a spouse, a category that accounts for perhaps as many as 8%. That suggests that somewhere around twenty to twenty-five percent of first marriages end in divorce, and that is unfortunate. Says, imagine the the difference to our collective uh, consciousness if we say most marriages last a lifetime, rather than half of marriages end in divorce. Kind of can change your perspective a little bit. Can be a little bit more encouraging of like, you know what? I think we can make it. Yes, you can. You can. And, and if divorce has been a part of your story, then look, I'm sorry. As a kid who's walked through that, I know what that feels like. I don't know what it feels like as a spouse, but I do know what it feels like as a child. And it, but I understand. And there's a lot of hurt. There's rejection. There's pain. There's two great depths that are caused by divorce. If you're in a situation where it's dangerous for you, by all means, reach out to somebody who will actually counsel you biblically and say, "If it is a dangerous situation for you or for your kids, you might need to get out of that thing. Separate more than separation might need to happen. If you're just having a difficult time and there does need to be a time of separation for a little bit, well, then get it together. I would say with a Christian counselor and figure that thing out. Maybe sometimes separation is a good thing for a moment." For a season, Paul addressed that, First Corinthians chapter 7, even, like, even separating from physical intimacy. Only for a season, only for a moment, because we, you know, we know who we are. But if you're just having a rough time because you stopped tending to the fires, let me tell you, this is what needs to happen. You need to repent. You need to repent. And we need to stop neglecting this thing that God has blessed us with. Figure out how to stoke those fires. Again, seek out help, counseling, good Christian counselors. Go for it. Get together with a pastor, somebody. Figure this thing out, guys. God's design was that it would last a lifetime. Last a lifetime. That's our goal. That's our goal. And let's, as husbands, let's figure out how to be the best husbands we can possibly be. For you wives, figure out how to be the best godly wives you can possibly be all through the power and inspiration of the holy spirit he's our only hope to make it day in and day out
0: Thanks for joining us today here on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. Pastor James has been teaching through the Gospel of Mark. This book is fast-paced. You'll notice as you keep studying with us that Jesus was on the move quite a lot. He did what needed to be done, and then he moved on to the next thing. Jesus packed a lot of service into his time here on earth culminating in the greatest act of sacrifice ever, dying on the cross for everybody. If Jesus was consistently moving and serving, shouldn't we also be doing the same? Our faith doesn't say that we should just sit back and let others do the work. We're called to be the hands and feet of Jesus, right here, right now. So go and do whatever it is that the Lord has gifted you with. Go share the good news of the gospel, and then demonstrate it by how you love and serve people. Bread for the Broken is a ministry of Calvary Galveston, and we would love to meet you. Visit breadforthebroken.com for more information. Would you like to do something for us? Would you pray for your fellow listeners? Pray that God would open their hearts and minds to His truth. Please pray for us, too, that we would continue to follow Jesus' leading no matter where it takes us. If you feel like God is leading you to partner with us financially, all donations are greatly appreciated, no matter what the size is. You can give securely online at breadforthebroken.com. Thanks again for coming alongside us in sharing the gospel message. That's all that we have for today. Join Pastor James next time for more here on Bread for the Broken.
2: Sure up you back.